This is the St. Louis Podcast Network. You're listening to the Last Man Up Podcast, a part of the St. Louis Podcast Network, stlpodcast.com. Matt Berger, Clay Byers-Dorfer, and Andy Hanselman alongside. Wherever you are listening to us, whenever you are listening to us, we hope you are well. Probably preparing for the notorious B.I.G. Snowmageddon 2018. Such a fucking dad joke. What, notorious B.I.G.? <laughs> I think I heard Tony Reale say that years ago on, on Around the Horn. I thought I, I kind of liked it. I said it today at work and people laugh, so it can't be that, bad of, a, that show, can't be that bad of a dad joke. That show is all sports and dad jokes. Around the horn? Yeah, it's like five old guys just seeing I, who can have the best dad joke I at the end of the day. To, I used to never miss that show. It used to be great. And it still kind of is, but I just don't watch it as much as I no. used to. When they had uh when Woody Page was in his prime, they had Tim Callishaw on there. Uh Bob Ryan was also good. Bill Plasky was good. But then they just started bringing on these Yahoos and then yeah. they changed out the host and uh, Frank Isa f- yeah. used to be and now he's with the athletic, he used to be of the New York Daily News. He's pretty good on there. Everybody's with the athletic um, now. Everybody is. It's amazing. Uh, my ESP and crush, Mina Kimes, is on there quite yep, a bit. Yep. I like her a lot. I think she's really funny. I think she's really smart. Yeah. But uh, I do not watch Around the Horn as much as I used to. I don't to. watch ESPN in general, other than a live sporting event. I, yeah. I really don't either. Other than, like, I used to watch SportsCenter every morning. I never missed it. must see TV anymore. No, it because, I mean, like, it, it's true. I'm consuming my sports information in other outlets. Right. Like, if there's a highlight on there, I'll get the notification on my phone of the highlight from either Bleacher Report or CBS News, and right. I'll watch it that when way. When you were 14 or 15, did you ever miss Sports Plus? Uh, no, I didn't. I would always try to stay up and, and watch it. That was always appointment television as well. I always tuned in for the uh, the top 10 plays, and now it's just like, yeah. I, I couldn't well, even tell you what any any top play was. I remember when Sports Center it used to only be an hour. And they just replay the hour right. like over and Every, over and all, over all and over morning. Again. So if you missed the nine a.m. show, you were good yeah. for ten a.m. Now Sports Center is live from six a.m. up until oh they, they don't s- replay it anymore. No, no. it's uh-huh. like four or five different like Sports Center segments or whatever you want to call it. And wasn't it the Sports Center from the night before? It used to be. Yeah, they replay the eleven o'clock. It'll be the Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt. And they'll replay that until like 6 a.m. Oh, I was talking about Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann. <laughs> and then... <laughs> Seriously, show, I was. You're showing your age there. Yeah, it's, I know. He, Keith Olbermann is surprisingly back on ESPN. I think he does the Sunday night Sports Center. But anyway, but yeah. like it, it'll be, uh, be Scott Van Pell will be on until 6 a.m. And then usually at 6 a.m. it's Nicole Briscoe and Randy Scott. And then they'll be on until I think 7 o'clock when Get Up starts. Yeah. With, uh, with Mike Greenberg and that whole that show's terrible, um, but anyway, yeah, like ESPN is not an appointment television for unless, unless it's a game. I don't watch it. I don't even watch any of the preview shows anymore. No. I don't. The I, only one I watch, and I'm not saying this to kiss her ass, is Tops with with Amy Trask and London Fletcher oh, yeah. and Adam Shine yep. and uh, Brandon Tierney. That's the only pregame show I really watch because I mean they're not beating you over the head with X's and O's it's no. more of a fun thing it's right. more yeah. of a casual hey what do you think uh, you know, who's going to win between this game describe this player in one word you know yeah. it's, it's more fun than you know I feel like I'm in the locker room and being yelled at by a coach like I, I don't care I'm not taking the field right I like watching Feinbaum from time to time his live call-in show is pretty oh, funny oh well yeah because he'll get Phyllis gets, or whatever her right. name is and just goes off and Phyllis yeah. from Alabama yes love those Do you- love those shows 
Do you think the Nick Saban's going to keep being the coach of Alabama? <laughs> My God. Jason Fink and I, every once in a while, we'll, we'll uh, reminisce about the callers because he used to do the wrap-up with Dave Rapp. Yep. And Dave Rapp would get the same callers that I would get when I was on 590. Right. And we would talk about how we missed Caller John because Caller John was insane. Caller John would call up and it'd be complete non sequitur whatever you were talking about because he's not listening. No, he wants to talk about what he wants to talk yeah, about. Yeah, because he's working nights or whatever it is. He's mostly right. calling from the bathroom, and he just wants to ask you a sports question. That's it. Completely off topic. <laughs> and I remember this was after uh, Lida Cruz, and it was like maybe two days after she was elected mayor of St. Louis. Yeah. He called me up and asked me, when is she going to do something about crime? And if I know if Conzo Martin, the uh, the head, the bazoo coach, if he's married or not. I'm like, I have no idea about either one of those. And why do you want to know? It just seems so weird. You'd be you'd love to be a fly on the wall in that guy's life. Oh, my God, yes. Because it's probably just epic. Speaking of college basketball, joining us on the phone a little bit will be TJ Walker. He is the host of Kentucky Roll Call on Big X Sports and the Hardly Committed Recruiting Podcast. And you can follow him on Twitter at TJ Walker. KSR. I was going to say, we were, we were talking about, we were sitting around watching some YouTube videos on television the other night after I got home from a gig. And uh, Bob Ross, The Joy of Painting, oh. The Happy Painter came on. Oh, he's and, on Netflix. Yeah, it was, it was, it was on Netflix. And also, it's also all over YouTube. So, and we're sitting with my 22 year old stepdaughter. She goes, she goes, You guys used to watch this? And I said, uh, Yeah. It was must see television. It was absolutely must see television. And well, I mean, like people watch it now, but they're usually watching it under the influence of. Oh, but she didn't understand to right. laugh at it, to not truly appreciate the art that's no, being no, 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 no. Well, people watch it, but they usually watch it while they're baked. <laughs> well, she didn't Seriously. understand that we watched it because we only had five channels to watch. <laughs> well, yeah, we only had two, four, five, yeah, nine, you, eleven, you, and thirty. You, you had no, there was no so, other I mean, options. So on Saturday morning, when when a, when a shitty cartoon came on that you didn't want to watch, you flipped it over to Channel Nine to watch Bob Ross. See him paint a beautiful mountainscape. So somebody said that he, uh, or no, he said that during a show when I was watching one of them, that he has painted over 25,000 paintings. I believe it. And it's no wonder he's like, you know, you just kind of just take this little knife here and roll that out. Roll that out. Here's a happy little tree and a happy little mountain. Here's what the Happy little highlights. Here's a happy little pond. Here's the funny thing. Love that guy. Here's what the funny thing is. Like his paintings are good, but let's not pretend that they're great. No, you're not seeing Bob Ross paintings hanging in, you know. A museum next no. to Jackson Pollock. Absolutely I would not. so I um Adventures in DJing. I DJed a six a sweet sixteen party. Okay. The other night. And uh she uh she received a Bob Ross t shirt. God and she was excited. I mean, it was like the best gift she got. Wow. But has no earthly idea. No, she great. watched because she would watch all the stuff on Netflix and YouTube. Yeah, that's I mean there there is that. There's a whole generation. Like right now they said like the most popular show with um with like uh, high school girls and girls that are in their t- early twenties, it's like Friends, and that show came on like when I was in high school, twenty they, years ago, twenty three years yeah, ago. Yeah, and they they love that show, absolutely love it. And I'm like, how can you even relate to it? At I was all. amazed whenever they said that. Well, because everybody's job was living in, living in New York City and <laughs> in an apartment with their friends in a you know a yeah, place that costs seven thousand right. dollars a be month. Be able right. to, to afford that huge apartment in Greenwich Village, working as a waitress. But yeah. you were saying a, at a coffee shop. You were saying that you don't think his paintings are good, but they. I think they're okay. I think that I'm not saying they're not I good. Would, I'm just saying they're not great. I would say that they are probably on the rise in value. Well, because he's dead. Because he's dead, and also because more people are are aware of him now. Yeah, there's part of that too. Thank you, internet. 
Thank, yeah, thank yeah. you, Internet. And I'm sure the Bob Ross estate is thrilled about oh, yeah. that. And, th- and that Bob Ross painting was painted by Joe Blow, no one would care, but because it's Bob Ross, he's it's... got this newfound fame and he's right. dead. Right. Yep. Um, I remember I just bought one off, off eBay. I bought it. I spent $10,000 on a Bob <laughs> Ross painting. God. <laughs> don't tell me. <laughs> well, since you got so much money to throw around. I know uh, I don't. I'm poor. I'm so poor. I'm reading this. This is from David Schoenfield of ESPN. He's got, you know, all these hot stove. These are what all 32 teams and major or all 30 teams in major league baseball. This is what they need to do in order to make a big splash oh, in here the we season. So it's all kind of like my hot take thunder. It's all pie in the sky. Am I maybe this this might be one of them. No, I don't know. You're fine. Keep okay. Going. So this is a, a trade that he thinks that the Cardinals should make. And if this is even in the realm of being possible, they need to do this right bleeping now. Let's hear it. The St. Louis Cardinals acquire Paul Goldschmidt and yes. Zach Greinke. Yes. For Luke Weaver, Dakota Hudson, and Jose Martinez. If that's all it took, then by God, yes, well, make that deal right now. There's is, more, that a, there's is that a more, sports open land caller? No. <laughs> I mean... There's more to that deal, considering you're paying Goldschmidt a lot of money. He's a free agent after next year. That's, and well, that's, Grank, that's why you're not giving up as much. Right. But you also would owe Zach Ranke a shit ton of money and for that's like the another, next four years. That's another reason why you don't have to give up as much, too, because of those two things. Yeah. But, I mean, I know a lot of people, they're, 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 it seems like the Bryce Harper hysteria has kind of cooled down a little bit. Because people realize, like, oh, well, Other people have money, too. Well, and there's been some national writers that have thrown some cold water on it. Yeah. Ken Rosenthal thinks that there's no way in hell that the Cardinals are going to land him. Um, was it him or Nightingale that straight up said he's going to the Phillies? It's it was, not it was, end of it discussion. Was Nightingale. Nightingale. It was Nightingale who said that. And then I forgot who it was saying that Scott Boris is saying that uh, Bryce Harper wants 10 years and $500 million. Um, I mean, the, the Cardinals could afford it. Now, I'm the first one to say, look, if you got the money, spend the money. But $50 million for a baseball player, in my opinion, is ridiculous. Absolutely dumb. The only the only professional athlete that you could justify that really earns $50 million a year on the open market is LeBron. Oh, absolutely. He is the only one. Because he's going to play almost every single game, and he's going to play all 40 minutes of every single game. Exactly. And he like look what he did with the Cleveland Cavaliers. He turned around went, an entire franchise. They went from one year having the number one pick in the NBA draft to the next year making the NBA Finals. Yeah. And basically because they added LeBron. That was it. Yeah. But um, I don't think there's any way that the Cardinals add Bryce Harper. I'm not here to pee on anybody's parade, Terry. If you're listening to this, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I, I just don't see it happening because I don't see them outbidding anybody as much as Bryce Harper may wants to come here. May want to come here. He's probably going to want to take the deal. that's going to give him the most money because why wouldn't you? Right. Um, I, I think what. So what's the Cardinals' second move going to be? I, I'm afraid this is what it's going to be. I think they're going to sign Josh Donaldson. I think that's almost a given. If they don't sign Josh Donaldson, I would really be stunned. It's going to be Josh Donaldson. It's going to be probably a relief pitcher that maybe you've heard of, maybe you haven't heard of. Probably not have heard of. And that's going to be it. I have I have I'm, a feeling. I mean, given the the precedent that has been set the last couple of years in terms of how the team has gone into free agency, it's not crazy to think, yes, that's the only thing that's going to happen. But I think Danny Mack had a really good point last week in the, in the sense that the Cardinals can be creative. It doesn't necessarily have to be a free agent signing as opposed to making a trade. No, it can be a trade. Because they have a lot of assets to give up. And there's only so many spots on the starting rotation and in the bullpen for what seems to be like 20 guys vying for them. And outfield spots, too, which is why I never really – I mean, 
Bryce Harper's a great player. Right. But I did not see him being a great fit for the Cardinals outside mm-hmm. of the fact that he was a left-handed bat. Right. That was the only thing I thought that he did that the Cardinals are like, yeah, that's what we really need. We need a left-handed bat. We need a corner infielder more than we needed a left-handed bat, which is why I was more on board with Manny Machado than I was with right. Bryce Harper. That and I just think that Manny Machado is a better overall player. Right. But I, I heard uh, Danny Max say he said this on our podcast, and he also said it on Monday night when he was doing that um, – that the hot stove league show. Uh, yeah, it's called the hot stove show. The hot stove show with Tim McKernan that, that you helped produced. Um, it, he said that he fell off the Manny Machado bandwagon. What was it last year when he was covering the Cardinals and the Royals? And he was asking like the Royal or the, the, the Orioles in the car and the Cardinals. And he was asking the broadcasters like, what's like your biggest complaint about Machado? And they're like, he doesn't hustle. With Cardinal fans, that is, no pun intended, Cardinal sin number one. Absolutely. If you do not hustle, they do not care. Because if you're struggling and you're not hustling, all you have to do is just look at Dexter Fowler's right. Twitter feed the last season to see how you're going to be treated. Right. Tim did a like he did a poll of the audience members of the because there were about a hundred people in the audience for the show oh, wow. on on Monday night. Nice. Uh, yeah, you could have paid fifty bucks and was going to Three Little Birds for Life, a great charity. Great charity. Based on this side of the river, um, but I. Uh, he asked a general question, if you give Bryce Harper 10 years, $350 million, are you on board? Yes or no? Yes. Woo. Yeah. No crickets. Yeah. Every, everybody applauded. And then yeah. Machado. Then he said about Machado, and it was almost the exact opposite. It was about 10 to, about 10% to 90%. 10% yeah. yes, 90% no. And then um, did he the same thing with Goldschmidt. 100% yes. They went crazy for the Goldschmidt trade. Really? Yeah. Yes. Interesting. Absolutely. I mean, he's a premier position. I mean, he's, he's a, a premier great... player at a position of need for the Cardinals. So from sure, a logistic but... standpoint, it makes more sense to have Paul Goldschmidt than Bryce Harper, but that's not as sexy. Well, okay, and he Paul Goldschmidt is a great player. Great player. But the problem is that you run the risk of giving up something to get him. Right. And him not resigning. And then him not resigning, and next thing you know, you're burnt again like you were with the um, – uh, with the uh, Jason Hayward trade, and it's not in your right. It's not nearly as sexy. It's no, not, it's just. It's I not, mean, no. but you know what? From, that, a, from a baseball standpoint, it's awesome. It's an awesome, awesome. Okay, move. but that, that's the Cardinals. When's the last time they did like the sexy thing? The Dexter Fowler running was their sexy. Move. That was their sexy. That, that move. was about as sexy as they get. Right. Yes. Look how right. sexy I am. <laughs> I signed Dexter Fowler. <laughs> like people always kind of. I'm sometimes I'm one of them. Accuses the Cardinals of being cheap. Oh. Wait, the wallet needs to get his wallet out and sign and, somebody. And sometimes I think that's what it is. <laughs> but sometimes I think it's they they're they're like that guy in the fantasy football draft who thinks they're smarter than everybody else. Right. So they're gonna make this move because they're crossing their fingers and hoping that this is going to happen. Right. They're not sure, but they're hoping this like I think that's part of the Cardinals like they think they have that kind of that mindset too. Mm-hmm. We're not going to go all in on someone like Manny Machado, who is younger than Josh Donaldson and is a better player than Josh Donaldson, but we're going to go on the cheaper route and then we're going to cross our fingers and you know what, maybe he has a bounce back year, maybe playing on real grass instead of AstroTurf, right. maybe he'll heal better, maybe it changes scenery, maybe that'll help him, and then if he turns out to be the player that he was when he won the MVP a couple of years ago, hey, we're going to look really, really smart. They like to be fiscally conservative, and I think the phrase that – that you hear and see the most is they like to get the most bang for their buck, meaning they like to get the most production out of the least amount of money spent. Sure, but uh, like that's worked for them in the it's past. I'm not saying it's something they need to continue to adopt but because the, the, the model is can, broken. Can you continue to do that? Because you've already seen the Cubs go by you. Right. And now you're seeing the Brewers, Brewers. go by you. 
So how much longer are you going to keep going, doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result? It's you know, a definition Ms. of crazy. Mo talked about it the other night, um, like about Yelich. He goes, you know, the the first part they wanted was Staten. The second part they wanted was Yelich. Miami was like, no, no Yelich, not happening. No, 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 no. So they make the deal for Ozuna, and then four weeks later, they traded him. Here's Yelich going to going to Milwaukee. He goes, he goes. I can't get mad, but you know, obviously, it pisses you off. Oh, yeah. how could it not? I'd be furious. Yeah, I'd be calling up the Marlins. I'd be like, I'm never doing business with you ever again. Can you yeah. imagine, I don't care who you have? Can you imagine John Mozeliak on the phone with Derek Jeter of all people? Well, no, John Mozeliak really, saying, you know, "Fuck I'm just, you." I'm Derek. Really, I, I can't. I I'm can't really see that. I'm really disappointed in that. Yeah, I like to see John Mozeliak lose his temper and say the f word one time. John Mozeliak probably thought Derek Jeter was overpaid at a one point in his career. Which, if you look at Derek Jeter's numbers, he was drastically overpaid for his overall production. He was he El Capitan. Well, okay, but that, that's what he was El Capitan because no, he made money and he lived in New York. Yeah, know, exactly. Derek Jeter and Joe Namath, they have some some big similarities. Absolutely. Yes. Joe Namath, he, if he would have won that Super Bowl for the Buffalo Bills instead of the New York Jets, no one would give a damn. No about one would Joe, care. No, no one, one care. would give a damn about Joe Namath. Right. Now, obviously, Derek Jeter has had a little more success than what Joe Namath did. Right. But the fact that he did it in New York for the biggest sports franchise in the history of professional sports. And he also played. I mean, he also played with. I mean, year after year, just all around talent across yeah. the board. It's not like that he helps. was. It's not like he was carrying the Yankees to the World well, Series. You can't. You. I mean, you really can't do that as a baseball player, anyway. No, you can't. Baseball. I mean, baseball is a team sport. Right. Mask. It's an individual sport masquerading as a team sport. Right. And which is why I would never give like a baseball player fifty million dollars a year because he's going to bat what four times, five if you're right. lucky. You'd rather have three guys make that amount, and, and then get if he's playing three times the production, if he's playing right field, he'll, maybe he'll touch the ball three or four times right. a night, and it's going to be mostly just fielding signals and th- singles and throwing the ball back in. And which I mean, that's and we'll talk about that again in the uh, in our top five about baseball players. Yes, okay, can't wait. It'd uh, be awesome. Another thing that the Cardinals kind of hinted at was it looks like they may be returning back to the the baby blues, the powder blue. Oh. Uniforms, which I'm not big on. Oh. I, I know a lot of people just absolutely love them because it reminds them of Whitey Ball and yep. how you know they won one World Series and went to three, and that's kind of like when everybody gets a tear in their eye thinking about Willie and Ozzy yep. and Lonnie Smith and yep. Tommy Herr and Jack Clark and everybody. But that doesn't disguise the fact that those uniforms were god ugly. <laughs> and here's another reason why I'm against it. Damn it, here the Cardinals go again. And becoming a walking and talking and breathing museum. <laughs> it is more trying to cash in on the past because the future maybe isn't looking as bright as they You're want. not as confident. You're not as confident. Here's another thing, too. Think about this. When you're watching, whenever you were a kid, mm-hmm. how often did you go to the Cardinal game where they were giving away something? Hardly ever. Hardly right, ever. Yeah. Now they're giving away something at every single game. Actually, I, think giving it's away just, something. I think it's just weekend games pretty much. It seems like it's every but single game. But it seems game. like it's there every game, but I think it's just weekend games. I think so it's, they it's stuff either away. they're giving away something or there's some kind of theme. Special night. Special night. You know, There who, are lots of theme nights. Yeah. You know who does that? Minor League Baseball. And the reason why Minor League Baseball does that is because they have to get some way to get people to go to the game. Well, it's the same. I mean... It's it's a model that's not only being adapted by the Cardinals. It's baseball. No, they're not the only I mean, one. baseball suffers from an attention span standpoint. It's the longest game to sit through out of any of the games. It's yep. the least action in terms of what's actually happening on the field across all professional sports. So 
they have to come up with gimmicks like these. I I'm 100% with you. I don't agree with them at all or support that we need a, you know, a different night for every night of the ballpark, but I'm also a millennial and understand that people need to be engaged for three and a half hours straight or they're going to lose it. And you got to remember that people come from all over the Midwest to, to come to Bush Stadium oh, to travel in. Yep. So they'll come for the weekend. And that's, I think that's what I mean. So if they're going to stay, they're going to go to the game Friday night. Well, here they have, you know, the Yachty Bobblehead tomorrow night. Well, let's go grab that too. Oh, and then they have. They have children's sock day on on Sunday. Well, we got. I would, we gotta, lo- I would we actually go. love to have children's sock. Day. Yeah, there's there's so many times though. It, it's it, Christian children's sock day, and, right? Hanselman, you and I, we uh, we belong in the same kind of category. When you walk in and they try to hand you that XL Cardinals T-shirt, you're like, look, just hang yeah. on. To it. <laughs> just give this, that. Thing, this thing is no. There's no way in hell this thing's ever going to fit me. Yeah. I'm not going to carry it around the entire game and then wherever whatever I'm going to do when the game is over. This isn't happening. You right. can just hold on to it. It's not. I, I don't want it. Thank you. Back to your point, though. I am. Uh, I love the blue uniforms as an alternative. Really, as an alternative uniform. Now, if they're going to, st- I would never advocate for oh, them no. going out there every night in those things. Oh no, it's going to be. Think it's going to be an alternative. I think it, they might. They might wear them on like Sunday night games. Maybe something like I can that. see that. Yeah, or certain of. I mean, they'll have special like throwback nights to where they wear that, and so, they look really good in HD. By the way, because there was there yeah. was a Sunday night game when uh, when they wore the powder blues. And they looked fantastic. Yeah, in HD. Are they going to be like? Is it going to be the button up, or is it going to be like the one piece shirt and the one piece pants? I think it's the, the one like one piece, the nineteen eighty two wow. uniform. Yeah, I think it's really just a re uh, reimagining of it. One thing I wish the Cardinals would do with their road uniforms, and people are probably going to bring kick. back the blue hats. Well, that's number one. Yes, bring back the blue hats on the road. But number two is that everybody, whenever a team comes in to, to Bush Stadium to play the Cardinals, wherever they're from, the name of the city is on the jersey. Mm-hmm. Chicago, New York, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, whatever. I think the Cardinals, I think the gray uniforms would look good if they replaced the Cardinals with St. Louis. Oh, no. I would. I think it, look, oh, I would think no. it would look sharp. I, you take the birds off the bat. You set a, you no, set a present. No, 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 no. No, use the, no. Use the script that they use on the oh, Saturday. Oh, you're saying change the font. Change the font from, okay. Just no, saying not, Car- the font. not the font, but changing from Cardinals just to say St. Louis. Like, like on the, okay. like on the okay. Saturday home okay. jersey. Okay. Like okay. the Saturday home jersey. Got it. Make that the away uniform. Only they make it, put it on the grays. I think that would look sharp. You should pitch that. Just call them up. Falls on deaf ears. <laughs> like everything falls. Everything I say with the Cardinals I falls would, on deaf ears. I would. Every time you try to make that phone call, I would just press end on your phone or come <laughs> or come cut your phone line so you couldn't make that call. I know it's not. Because that is like that is like sacrilege. Oh, I know. I'm not suggesting get rid of the birds and the bat. That's, I, that would be sacrilege. I hate the Saturday day uniforms. Do you I really? Them. Why do you hate, hate them? them? Hate them. Hate them because it's not. I don't. It's a walking, talking. It's, it's, it's a walking, talking museum. It's like I'm looking at Doug Vaughn here, complaining about the Mizzou uniform. Right. You, ju- you don't really have an alternative solution, but you just know that you hate. No, where your where your home whites on Saturdays. <laughs> I'm with you on that. That seems to me to, it'd be strange to change one of the home jerseys. You think you would change the away jersey, right? But the Dodgers are like that too. The Dodgers used to have their home or their away jersey used to say Los Angeles. Yep, I thought I've seen it, that. I thought it looked sharp. It's just good looking. And then, uniform. then a couple of years ago, they did away with that and went back to just the Dodgers. Yep. I don't know. I mean, I like the I like the actual St. Louis script on the birds on the bat. I like that look. Yep. So maybe it will look good on the on the away jersey. I think it would look good with blue caps, of course. Speaking, uh, you had to go back to the blue caps. Speaking of Los Angeles. Um, the money, this coming Monday night game was going to be down in Mexico City, 
at Azteca Stadium between yeah. the Los Angeles Rams and the Kansas City Chiefs. And the NFL correctly made the right decision, <laughs> and the game will now be played at the Coliseum in L.A. because it's supposed to be a home game for the Rams. Right. That field in Mexico City looked terrible. It looked god-awful. So the NFL made the right decision in moving the game back to the Coliseum. Now, I have no idea how they can do this or if they can. I know a lot of people on Twitter, and I saw this, and I felt terrible for them. They spent a lot of money on airfare and hotel reservations to yep. go down to Mexico City to watch either the Chiefs or the Rams play in that game, and now it's too late to get a refund. They're not going to get their airfare back, and they're not going to get their their, uh, yeah. their hotel money back. That's why you always buy insurance when you travel. Always. If you're going to travel internationally. You're traveling in, I mean, there is no reason. So I, I feel bad for those. I genuinely do because, I mean, people probably booked this a year ago, you know, Going to see the Chiefs play the Rams. Granted, they probably didn't know the Chiefs were going to be as good as they were, but they booked it a year ago. But you always buy insurance when you travel internationally. That's that's like rule number one. Yeah. Seeing what Fred Rogan, who is a uh, sports anchor in Los Angeles, if you followed the drama of the relocation, you all know who Fred Rogan is because he made a lot of enemies here. But he did give me a shout out one time oh, neat. on one of his radio shows. Nice. He did like he does like a roll call thing where he's like trolling all the St. Louis people. Yeah. And I got called out one time. Someone told me, so I, I was kind of flattered, your flattered cl- by that claim to fame. That's my claim to fame that Fred Rogan once called me out during his radio show. Anyway, um, it looks like L.A. has finally fully embraced the Rams. <laughs> because they're, like their their games are now being are, are now number one in the uh, in the ratings. Oh, are they? Yes, yep. they're now finally number one. And you and you look at the it's Coliseum; a, they only sell seventy thousand tickets there. And the reason why they only they limit it to seventy thousand, even though the Coliseum seats like a hundred thousand, that stadium is massive. It's it's massive and it's like a hundred years old. Yeah, it's so old. And when they first went to to L.A. a couple years ago and they sold every seat that they could, people were complaining about the lines to the bathroom. People were complaining about the lines to get, to get concessions. They were passing out in the in the line trying to get water because of the heat. So they made the right move in limiting it to like 70000 because that's, that's all you really need anyway. Right. But when you're watching the games now, except for that Green Bay game, but the Packer fans, they travel well. I can't really knock. They always do. Right. I, I can't knock L.A., for the Packer fans taking over because Packer fans take over everywhere they go. Yep. That happened here all the time. Too. All the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. For, for everybody, even when the Rams were good, it Even happened. when the Rams were good. So everybody, all the St. Louis Rams fans who were giving the LA Rams fans a bunch of shit about the Packers taking over. Now you the can't same goddamn thing happened here during the greatest show on turf yeah. and thereafter. Shut when the, please shut up. <laughs> so watching the game on Saturday between the Seahawks and the Rams, it looks like LA has finally fully embraced the Rams. It took yep. them a little bit. But well, they're finally well, now on board. Well, it's amazing what happens when you put a winning product on the field. <laughs> it, it really is. I, I mean, saying, isn't that crazy how that works? It's, wi- when, when you it's try. a wild concept. When you try to win, look what happens. Now, the real tell will be two, three years from now when they can't pay every single superstar they have on the roster when and they, they go back to being a 9-7, and 8-8 eight eight bullshit when they, team. When they can't pay uh, Jared Goff, right. he's got to go someplace else. Yep. And then and Gurley and well, Aaron Donald Gur- and well Gurley Gurley's signed Gurley signed Donald, Donald signed, signed Brandon Cooks is signed Robert Woods is signed right. did Gurley get the last big contract out of the first round NFL signers before they went to this new program no he just got recently extended yeah he recently like, I think going oh, into the last year he did not get signed to a huge amount 
it well, was a, it was, it was a his second. It was a, he gets a rookie deal, which yeah, is the pretty rookie deal. standard. But this is his second. How, how long is how long has the rookie deal been going on? I, four, well, I think Sam Bradford yeah, was Sam, the last one to get it was that Sam big Bradford rookie. Got, okay, he yeah. was the last one to get that big rookie contract. Yeah. Shit, that was 2010. Yeah. and then they set a president on. I think what is it based on draft position, how much yes. you make or whatever. It's, it's all slotted, right? Because oh, okay, yeah, because what it used to be, you, you used to see this all the time before the NFL draft would happen. Whoever had the number one pick, like right now, it's going to be the Oakland Raiders. So let's say they did they did away with that. The Oakland Raiders right now, like the season's over, and they can start working on their draft. The Oakland Raiders, if they're going to take Nick Bosa number one overall, they could already start negotiating a contract with Nick Bosa. So that way they could go like you know Roger Goodell could walk oh. across stage, announce that the Raiders are taking Nick Bosa with the number one overall pick, and then the next day the Raiders can announce that they've already signed him to a contract. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. But now, now, now you don't see that happen as often because everybody pick number one gets his money, pick number two gets his money, pick number right. three gets his money. Okay. And if you're if you're a veteran, you like that, right? Well, because sure. you don't want these rookies coming in making all this money. They haven't proven a damn thing. What does the number one overall pick get? I don't know to be honest with you. Um, Bradford got what fifty million? I know it's probably about half half of that. Of I would say twenty five to thirty. Is it, still, is it still a shit ton of money? I mean, it's tw- still yeah, it's still good money. It's not yeah. like what it used to be. No, no, no. Yeah. no, not like it used to be at all. It's not like three million or four million. No, it's probably like maybe twenty, maybe. I was gonna. Say, I think the um, who went Baker got. I want to say like twenty seven. Don't quote me on that. Wow, I think that, it's sound, like that sounds right. It's still it's still good money. It's still great, but money. it's not oh, yeah. like eighty million like it no, was no, no, before. No. Yeah. No. Um, speaking of NFL players throwing away money. Le'Veon Bell is going to forego the 2018 year. I'm shocked. And like $18 million, he is going to bank on himself and enter the free agency period to, mm-hmm. you know, to try to, to get his big contract. I don't think he's going to make more than $18 million next year from any team. Oh, I think he will. I honestly you think so. I honestly, and I saw, um, I think it was on PFT today that, uh, an article came out that Le'Veon making that decision not to show up in the back of his mind, or he's talked with someone that has basically confirmed, we're going to pay you this offseason and you're going to make more. You think so? Oh, I, you, you, I would you think bet a team, on, You think a team has already told him that? I would, maybe not him directly, but his agent, wow. you know, has been reaching out to other NFL teams and saying, this guy might not play. What is what is your interest level? How much you will... I mean, why would you not? Why would you not scope that? And if you know that the Jets are going to offer you $24 million next year, why would you go play four games for Pittsburgh? I, I get that. But if you're Le'Veon Bell, I mean, Le'Veon Bell is what, in his mid-20s? 26, maybe. Okay. he He's getting to the point where NFL running backs, usually by the time they're 30, they're done. Yeah. This is his last big deal. He's not making more money than he'll make on his and next contract. you see these rookie running backs come right out of the college and go right into the NFL. Yeah. And like Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, and you don't even have to, it doesn't even have to be a first round player. Look no. at carry Johnson with the Detroit lions, James Conner, James Conner. Okay. Now they're not Le'Veon bell, right? James or carry Johnson is not, is not Le'Veon bell. Norther is James Conner, right? But the Pittsburgh Steelers have done pretty well without Le'Veon bell. They're doing just fine. So if I mean, he basically kind of like didn't prove his point at all. He needed somebody. He needed like, he needed the Steelers to fall flat on their face. He needed what mm-hmm. happened to what the Cowboys. Whenever yeah. um, 
Emma Smith held out. Yep. And they lost like their first three games. He said, and the next thing you now know, they, you need me. Now you need me. Yep. That didn't happen in Pittsburgh. They, they're so doing it, just fine. Yeah. If you're Le'Veon Bell, you'd be like, oh, damn, I just told him myself. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be my reaction. If, if he gets like a, a, if someone signs him to a big, huge contract, yeah. I'd be stunned. And now watch it be the Raiders. Oh, <laughs> that would be perfect. Le'Veon <laughs> down, down in Vegas for the next couple of years, just kicking it. I, I, and, Him and Gruden together, God. And, and then I'd be buying a Le'Veon Bell jersey. Your ass would be I'm showing already, up. I'm already admitting every, it. Every week you'd show up in that damn thing. I I'm, know I'm already admitting it. Joining us on the phone right now is TJ Walker. He is the host of Kentucky Roll Call on Big X Sports and the Hardly Committed Recruiting Podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at TJ Walker KSR. TJ Walker, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Doing Good, fantastic. It is another uh, start of the college basketball season. It started off with a bang with Kentucky against Duke, two powerhouse teams. Um, I'm sure you were there at the game. When you're seeing the the big three that that Duke is rolling out there now, especially Zion Williamson, what was your impression when you're seeing these these players in person? Yeah, it, it, well, I, you know, I've seen all those guys as high school players. I know how good they are, but seeing these guys as high school recruits and doing it all by themselves, uh, as somebody that follows Kentucky closely and is a Kentucky fan, you were just hoping that it wouldn't click this early for them and that they would get there and maybe they're used to being the guys and they're used to having all the shots and it doesn't really pan out for them. Yet, I mean, I, I know come March, I, I, I know come March that they are going to be an absolute force once they figure out the kinks. You were hoping, though, that Kentucky returning some guys, which generally does not happen. That's kind of it's a role reversal there. Duke has the absolute stud freshman, and Kentucky is the one returning some dudes. You were hoping that they wouldn't click just yet, but I mean, as the nation saw, they clicked, and Kentucky folded and didn't have an answer. And I think Kentucky played really poorly, and I think Duke played really, really, really well. Uh, you saw them play Army, and they didn't play nearly as well as they did against Kentucky. So Kentucky will get better. I don't think Duke's as good as we saw then, but that's how good they can be in March, in my opinion. They're they're going to be tough to beat. I don't see more than two, maybe three losses during their regular season schedule, and 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 they're your your favorites to win the national championship. TJ, uh, obviously, you know you and I both watched the game. Everybody here watched the game. What could we take away, I guess, from Duke's first two games that you know opposing coaches can look at the tape and say, "Hey, we can beat these guys." Here's how we're going to do it. What did you notice, if anything, is you know really the best way to attack Duke? Yeah, Kentucky's game plan was all wrong against Duke, and, and Calipari got punked a little bit uh, in that game because I think he was a little high on this team. I think Kentucky was high on themselves, the players that is, and they. Calipari's motto, and this is what he, he thinks every year. You don't say it, this is what he thinks. is, And this is why he rarely plays zone. It's rarely why he tries to do gimmicks or anything like that. It's because he thinks this five that I have assembled, it is better than the five that you have assembled. I don't care if you are Utah Valley State. I don't care if you're Duke. My five is better than your five, and if this game rings true, we're going to beat you. And that's why you don't see them try to slow things down. That's what teams are going to do against Duke. That's the smart strategy against Duke. Slow things down. Don't be scared to get in foul trouble against them. Don't be scared to get them to the line. Don't be scared to go into the shot clock 20 to 25 seconds. Slow things down and muddy up the game as much as possible. That's how Kentucky has lost in the tournament a lot of times. That's how Kentucky has lost in the on the road in the SEC a lot of times during Calipari's 
now what nine or nine years uh 10 years no nine years i think uh, whatever it is um uh, that's how that's how you beat teams that are more talented than you and duke is more talented than every team in college basketball and more so than any other year it's not even close duke compared to the number two team talent wise is not even close so that's what you got to do you got to slow things down you got to muddy up the game the best way to play them is to play zone keep zion out of the paint keep rj out of the paint Make Marquise bold and be the big guy, beat you down low, because he's not going to beat anybody, in my opinion. And then force them to shoot threes. Uh, Zion has really improved his range, and I do. Need, and people need to realize that Zion has come a really, really long yep, way absolutely. in a short amount of time. He doesn't look, you know, that athleticism and the dunking has always been there, but he was not a good outside shooter, and he was incredibly out of shape. He had a tough time finishing AAU games, which we all have seen AAU games. We know how those go. He's come a long way. Duke has done an amazing job with him. So that's how you have to do it, though. You have to slow things down and make them beat you from outside and not allow them to get in transition or allow them to get in a rhythm. TJ, other than Duke, because it seems like the conversation in college basketball right now revolves around uh, those Dukies, um, who are some other teams that you've got your eye on? Obviously, you know, you'll be following Kentucky very you know, closely throughout the year, uh, but I saw a very good Kansas team you know, at the Champions Classic. I think Michigan State is better than they played in that game as well. Uh, you know, Jay Wright and Villanova, they're always going to be good, you know, with the guys that he has on his roster. Who do you have your eye on, you know, moving into the rest of the season? Yeah, um, th- those teams <laughs> that you mentioned, <laughs> I think Tennessee is going to be really, really good when it's all said and done. I think they're the type of team that could have a lot of success against Duke because they they would not be beaten inside. They wouldn't be beaten on the glass, uh, and they would really bully around Duke the way that I thought Kentucky – the way that Kentucky thought they would, I thought they would. Kentucky thought they would as well. It didn't happen in that game because Kentucky was trying to play too fast. Uh, and I'm obviously um, a little biased to the SEC because it's teams that I, I watch a lot more and I have to I have to watch for my job. LSU is wildly underrated. I don't think they're a national title contender, but I, I legitimately think that they're a Final Four contender. They have a front line that's just about as good as anybody else's. And then I'm a huge Tremont Waters fan. I thought he was really, really good last year. I think his legs gave out a little bit towards the end of the year. He's in better shape this season. I have questions about Will Wade as a coach. I think everybody probably should. <laughs> but I think uh, I think LSU is going to be a really, really good team. I know it's November and nobody's really etching out their brackets yet, but they're going to be a fun and I think probably a trendy pick to go deep, and rightfully so. Uh, I think they're going to, to be a, a really, really good team. And then I need to see more of them but, uh, this season. But this is a team I really like last year. And sure enough, they're the ones that ended up beating Kentucky. I think Kansas State's going to be a sneaky team to potentially make things interesting in the Big 12. Obviously, what are they ranked? They're top 15, I believe. So it's not that trendy of a pick. But nobody's talking about them. And they probably should. A lot of returning guys there. Uh, so those are some teams that, that I would look out for and I think are probably going to have good seasons and, and, and be contenders to make deep March runs. TJ Walker from KSR Sports joining us right now on the phone. Uh, TJ, when you think of the SEC, you automatically think football. But when you look at the top 25, they have five teams ranked. They have Kentucky. They have Tennessee. They have Auburn. They have uh, Mississippi State. They have LSU. And then you have Alabama, who right now is outside the top 25. The SEC is actually a pretty tough basketball conference, too. A lot of people kind of, I think, overlook the SEC when it comes to basketball outside of Kentucky. 
Yeah, and, and you know what? I don't think as of today, I would. And this is this is something that I kind of made fun of some people for in the preseason when I was down there in Birmingham at SEC Media Days. But I don't know as of today if I'd pick Kentucky to win the SEC. I think Tennessee has looked a lot better. They looked really good against Georgia Tech last night, Tuesday night, uh, when when they played. And obviously, I already mentioned LSU. Auburn, I'm not as high on as everybody else, but there's no denying that there's talent there, so they're going to be a force. And then Mississippi State is a really, really good team. And I don't know if people just don't want to buy into Ben Hallen. I don't blame them if they don't want to. But they're going to be good, and they're going to be a tough team uh, to beat as well. Arkansas maybe has the best player in the conference, and, and Gafford, he is an absolute monster i don't think they're good enough to to do anything too serious and then florida's a team that i thought was going to be really good but that loss against florida state to open the season was really head scratching i i don't think florida i don't think all that highly of florida state so that was a little bit surprising to me Uh, but you go across the board a lot more talent than there is normally vanderbilt look at vanderbilt they're a team with fun freshmen who would have thought that i love darius garland they picked up a huge win at southern cal uh, earlier this week so they're going to be a force and semi Chitu, which is a really fun name to say it's really really good so it's going to be a good year for Vanderbilt too the best the SEC has ever been uh, in my lifetime I'm 27 and in that stretch they've had multiple final four teams uh, in the same season is what I'm alluding to obviously 2014 you had Kentucky and in Florida in the final four in the 90s you had a few times where you had two teams in the final four I think this is the deepest the conference has ever been, and I, I think they could legitimately maybe get eight or nine teams in, and I, I thought I'd never say that about the SEC in my lifetime. TJ, we have to talk about the local team here, and that is the Missouri Tigers. They were dealt a crushing blow before the season even started when Jonte Porter went down for the year with a torn ACL. This You compound that with the loss of Michael Porter last year for most of the season. And Mizzou fans, they all said the same thing when they got that notification on their phone. Mizzou, uh, Mizzou basketball, here we go again. As an outsider, what is, what is your opinion of the Missouri Tiger program the past couple of years? Yeah, I, I really like Quanzo Martin, and I and I feel uh, that he got a really bad he got he got a bad rap at Tennessee. He wasn't really given a fair shake in 2014. They lost an absolute. Heart. I mean, they had to if he played that game. 20 times they couldn't try to lose the game the way that they did they had that game won in the sweet 16 against michigan and they would have gone on to play a kentucky team in the elite eight that i i remember that 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 was the uh louisville kentucky sweet 16 game in indianapolis at lucas oil and i was thinking myself when that game was going on it was right before the uk L game and i was thinking don't let tennessee win tennessee's going to beat kentucky they know how to play them they're more physical they're better inside don't let tennessee win that game Michigan somehow miraculously won. I think if Tennessee beats Michigan, I think they probably beat Kentucky. They go to the Final Four where they would have had to play Wisconsin. Wisconsin would have been the favorite in that game, but who knows? And then they would have had to maybe beat – I don't think we're too far off from Quanzo Martin having a national championship is what I'm trying to say. And if that happens, he's probably – well, he obviously still a coach of Tennessee, but you never know with Tennessee fans. They're absolute loons. Uh, I love <laughs> I think he's a really, really good coach. He's a good recruiter. I think he got a really – I mean, how unlucky was last season. I think if uh, if Michael Porter stays healthy, it's a completely different year for the Tigers. They're obviously on the rise. This isn't going to be a fun year for them, and I hope the fans are patient 
with this season, but I think there's nothing but, but good things ahead as long as Quanzo Martin's in charge. And could he eventually leave for another job? I don't know, maybe. Uh, but he, as long as he's, he's there, I think Missouri is going to be a power in the SEC, just not this year. And a big reason why is because the SEC is so loaded. I mean, in most years where the SEC is down and you only have maybe two or three really good teams and then maybe you have two or three other okay teams, I, I like Juanzo Martin's quote coaching so much that he could potentially, uh, you know, have a sleeper team to make a run. Probably not this year, though, with how talented it is. But I think the future's bright in Columbia. You said a word that uh, I think Mizzou fans are very, very familiar with, and I think that's patience uh, across all of their sports. <laughs> yes, uh, very much so. W- when you said Quanzo uh, uh, Martin leading uh, Mizzou to a national title, you should you should have seen the look that uh, Matt and I gave each other. <laughs> so I, wa- I, I want to preface this with saying that uh, you made a lot of Mizzou fans probably very excited, at least those that listen to our podcast. Um, but something I want to get to, and you talked about it a little bit, uh, the evolution of the SEC within basketball rights. Um, not only is the talent better, but I think coaching across the board, you'd have to argue that it's the strongest conference in terms of coaching ability. You know, it, it's weird because, again, uh, like we're, we're kind of breaking all the barriers here, but I would normally say, like, no, the SEC coaching in basketball is horrible. We, we're, we're talking about the wrong sport. <laughs> Baseball and football, absolutely. Best coaches around. Uh, I think very highly of the coaches in this league. Even a guy like Frank Martin, who shockingly has also been to a Final Four, I think he's a really, really good coach. He seems like a psychopath. He's really not. He's a nice guy. Uh, but he's a really good coach. I, You know, I really liked it. I thought Mark Fox at Georgia was a really, really good X and O guy. Uh, it just never really clicked for him. And maybe he wasn't as good as a coach as I think he is because uh, it never, it truly never clicked. You have Tom Green, another coach that has been to a final four, another coach that has been uh, a number one seed and done a lot of really, really good things. I mean, I could go through and then Rick Barnes. I mean, John Calipari will salivate if you talk about how good of a coach Rick Barnes is. He loves that dude. Uh, He's another guy that has been to a final four. I think, you know, it's tough. You look at the ACC, and Chris Mack, a great coach. Coach K, probably the best coach of, uh, of all time. Roy Williams, fantastic. Jim Beheim, I think wildly overrated, but a lot of wins, so you can't ignore that. ACC probably has the better cast of coaches, but I'm taking, I'm taking the SEC second, and I think it's really close. And I never in a million years thought I'd be saying that. I, I, you know, I love that the SEC is turning into a basketball league. I know you all were uh, Big 12 guys for most of your <laughs> lifetime. This isn't the norm, guys. This isn't how it normally no, is. No, no. But – but I hope this is what it can become, and I don't see any reason why it can't. You have a lot more teams making commitments to their basketball program. That's good, and uh, I don't see any reason why it won't continue. Because yeah, normally when you think SEC basketball, you think of one of two schools. Kentucky or Florida. Kentucky or Florida, <laughs> yeah. You don't normally think of Tennessee. You don't normally think of Auburn. You don't normally think of Mississippi State. Um TJ, let me get your take on the the so-called college basketball trial, which was the United States versus Jim Gatto, Merle Code, and Christian Dawkins. For those of you who don't know, Jim Gatto was the Adidas executive who was basically paying recruits and uh, basically recruiting them to be the endorsements of Adidas. And surprisingly, the college basketball teams, they were all found to be clean and all the executives were dirty. Were you surprised by that outcome of that trial? Uh, yeah, I, I, I did, but I will fully admit I didn't really know like which side was arguing what for like the longest time. 
Uh, it was a very confusing trial, and I think most people were probably in the same boat. You're like, all right, so what is going to make who guilty? Like, who is trying to prove what, and who's winning if, like, the schools are the victims, but the schools were the ones paying the dude? Like, it, it, it was all cloudy to me, so I didn't really know what to expect in terms of the outcome. Uh, it seems like that uh, the, the, the FBI went to great lengths to try to prove that college basketball was dirty when all they had to do was go to Hooters after Peach Jam to learn that <laughs> from like the first person that they would talk to down there. Uh, but, but like, think about that dude. All he's trying to do is he's casting such a wide net. He's talking to, I mean, Kentucky's got a player named Ashton Hagens right now. Who's really struggling. He's going to be really good. He reclassified, blah, blah, blah. I mean, he supposedly got offered money. Their family denies it and, and, and you know, what, whatever, but like he's somebody that isn't going to be a first round draft pick. Uh, isn't certainly isn't going to be a lottery pick. And he was also on the list of dude. Like he went after every single person and the FBI was able to like wiretap phones and went undercover. Like I, I you know, I kind of feel bad for the dude. All he's trying to do is get dudes to sign with Adidas. Uh, I think he thought he was a lot more popular and a lot cooler than he actually was. So he probably deserved to get in a little trouble to be honest with you. Uh, but no, I'm not surprised uh, that this has been happening. I'm not surprised with the verdict and the, I guess the only good thing is, is if you're a Nike school or if you're, an Under Armour school, if you're an Under Armour school, because you know when this stuff broke, which I can't believe how long it's been. Time has absolutely flown. But when this stuff broke, you know all those coaches of Nike, and I'm talking AAU programs and, and, and some of the agents that run with Nike, you know they were all thinking, okay, let's uh, call Shred It and get them to come over here and <laughs> all these documents. And let's make sure we delete this and delete that. It was really unfortunate for Adidas. And if they ever do, if they're able to ever, and I don't think they will, because I think they're happy uh, with what they got from the Adidas stuff. But if they do, um, this stuff goes on everywhere. You know, I don't think Calipari or Coach K, I don't think they're literally meeting with, with agents to pay players, or I don't think they're handing over $100 bills with recruits or anything like that, but you have clinger ons. I cover recruiting. I mean, it's a dirty, dirty game. I've, I've talked to somebody before in a recruitment and, you know, just try, what does he think about Kentucky? Who else is he considering? When's the, you know, just kind of your cliche, stupid questions. When's the timetable for a decision? And then about a month later, I was texting with the kid's mom and I was like, Hey, yeah, well, I, I was talking with so-and-so and, uh, he said that a decision could come in the next month. Mom was like, no, he's, he, he's not in the picture. I don't, he, he's not supposed to be talking on behalf of my son anymore. And, and he knows that. Oh, wow. Like it's dirty. Like people try to, people try to cling on to kids that they have no business clinging on to. And they try to make deals for kids where in a lot of instances, the kids don't know. Brian Bowen senior said that his son never knew about it. He said that his wife never knew about it. And I am inclined to believe him. I mean, if you, if you get quotes from the mom, it, it seems to really add up that they had no clue that the dad behind the scenes was trying to make deals for their son. It's a really crappy situation in a lot of instances. Uh, it's a dirty game. Everybody's looking for a meal ticket. Everybody's looking to cling on to a 17 or 18 year old kid. And most of the time it's the kid that's getting screwed more than anybody else. Okay. So in your opinion, what is the best way to clean the dirt out of this? Is it to set an example like uh, the FBI did with Jim Gatto? Is it to do away with the one and done? So that way these kids could go right from the AAU right into the NBA and start earning that money. Or is it to be to finally pay the college players? What, what, if I were to make you the, the king of college basketball and you have complete and total rule of law, what is your ruling? He's sir? already the king K of college K basketball. King TJ Walker, what is your ruling, sir? Well, here's what I'm doing. I'm telling Jay Billis to shut the hell up. I'm so annoyed <laughs> with Jay Billis.
I oh, that's am, just because just because he's a dookie. If you're gonna do but, that, could I could I it's petition really you? Not because he's a dookie. I used to love the dude, but like, how much can you freaking whine about the NCAA without coming up with any solutions for yourself? Like, those are the worst people in the world. I'm, I'm talking big picture here, not just college basketball. No, the I understand. Oh, I agree with you. Yeah, the people that complain about everything in their lives, like they complain about society, they complain about their jobs, and you're like, all right, yeah, that does sound horrible. Oh man, that's terrible. What's what your you solution? Do about it? Yeah, nothing. So okay, I'm well, gonna keep complaining. So and so maybe somebody else will figure it out. So while you're in the mood of silencing people, can you silence Dick Vitale for me, please? Because <laughs> if, if I hear Dick Vitale call a game, I will either shut it off or I will mute it because I just I yeah. can't stand it. I think his act is so tired. He's been doing the same damn thing for decades now i understand shame the, on you for going after that old I, man I, well i understand he's he's got <laughs> the enthusiasm but it's the, the the babies and the diaper dandies and the to's and the primetime players and all that bullshit over and over and over again I, I, i'm done with it it's it's a, it's a tired act it's like trying to impress me by a band playing living on a prayer or, you know, sweet child of mine, or don't stop believing. It's like, I've heard this a million times. I don't need to hear it again. You're going after Dickie V. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know what? Well said. I agree. No, in all seriousness, um, and, and the same goes for Jay, Jay Billis. They have, for, for true college basketball fans, and that's pretty much like when you're born in Kentucky, uh, your parents sign the birth certificate, and you get like a little mini basketball and a little thing of bourbon on your way out of the hospital. <laughs> but like they have done – they have done a lot for the sport, and, and Jay Billis included. He annoys the hell out of me. Dick Vitale is well past his prime. But they have done a lot for the sport, and they've helped the sport. And I do respect that, but, like, you're right. I mean, Dick Vitale, I just can't take it anymore. He's, he's not commentating <laughs> basketball anymore. He's a figurehead. Yeah. And similar, it's similar to, like, Lee Corso in, uh, on College Game yes. Day. Like, great yeah. dude, done a ton for the sport. But you listen to them talk, and you're like, you're, you're not bringing anything to the table anymore. This analysis is not what I need when I'm watching college basketball and there's so many better people out there that will end up getting these, like, you know, the, the Mac games. And, and, and it's like, no, 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 put these guys on, put these guys on ESPN, get these guys on the big games. Cause they know what they're talking about. They're smart. They do their homework. They're hungry. They're trying to advance in their careers. And then you have Dick Vitale just talking about all his friends and, and what happened yeah, down he is, at the it's, eggshell it's, in it's, Sarasota it's, or whatever. Yeah, it's, 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 the trip down mem- it's the trip down memory lane. I mean, when you when you get to be like an older broadcaster, it's like that. It's like the old sports talk radio guys. Now all they do is just talk about golf. You know, they because they, they can't relate to any of the young athletes anymore, so now they resort to talking to the old man sport, and that's golf. But I'm not letting you off the hook there, King TJ Walker. Is I don't it, want to be off the hook. Is, 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 it, is it to go after the ages? Is it to uh, do away with the one and done? Or is it to pay the players? I, I I don't like the idea of paying players. And that's not like to – because they already they already get paid. And people always look over that. They already get stipends. Um, you know, I, I'm 27 now, so I don't have any friends that are in college. And I, don't, I don't think I should, uh, to be honest with you. There's some coworkers <laughs> I have, but I, I, I don't consider – yeah, I know. I don't consider them friends. But when I was in college and I did have friends that were athletes, some of them were getting – Two thousand to twenty five hundred to three thousand dollars in stipends per month. I'm sorry, I was a college student. I had to work part time because I, you know, I was a student. Had to go to class. The other part, I wasn't getting twenty five hundred dollars a month for my work, and I was working, you know, thirty hours a week, twenty hours a week. I wasn't getting that much money, so I don't like the idea that you can pay them because I don't think there's a a good solution. Um, I was always against the idea of players making money off their likeness because that seems like a slippery slope but i think that's the better solution than just flat out playing paying players because then it's going to turn into a minor 
major league system. And, and then Kentucky's going to get every basketball player they want. Duke will as well, and then Kansas. They, and they, they, mean, they, are, they already do. What's, what's going to change? Look, but, but they really don't, though. I mean, they don't. Kentucky recently has lost out recruits to California. Uh, James Wiseman may go to Memphis. Um, and you can talk about, like, some shadiness if you want in some of these instances where they've missed out on some guys. But they've lost recruits to schools that don't have nearly the tradition, nearly the track record. And that's fine. I'm, I'm not crying foul on that. If kids want to go to those schools, they have every right in the world to. And that's why you recruit, to build relationships. Kentucky always gets in on late on guys. And I think that really hurts them in a lot of instances because they don't know who's coming back and who's staying. But if you're going to pay somebody, every recruit's just going to wait till April or May see who's staying, see who's leaving, and then just going to see who offers them the most money, and that's what everybody would do. So I don't like the idea that it would just be a free market of paying players. I don't think that's the solution. What I would do is keep the stipends up. Nobody's going to bed hungry at night in college. Could they make more money? Sure, but that's why they have insurance policies where if something gets hurt, they're still going to get paid, and I like that. That's a step in the right direction. What I would do is allow those that want to be one-and-dones to be one-and-dones. Um Calipari has an idea that you only allow like, you know, 10 to 20 dudes be one and done. You find 10 or best 20 players in a class, tell them if they want to be one and done, they have the option. Nobody else. I don't think it's very like American of the NBA to tell people that they can't go pursue their dreams and they have to wait till a certain limit. Uh, Calipari's big concern about just allowing anybody to be a one and done is all these kids are going to drop out of high school or they're not going to get their GEDs. And, you know, that does stink that idea, but like also, the right people in place to monitor these kids. Um, and then I think if you have people that are able to go one and done, I think a big part of the cheating, I think that will go away. There still will always be cheating in this sport. There will never be an answer that you, that you can stop the cheating. But I think if you could do get rid of the one and done, that would take away a big part of it because you'd give the players an avenue to go get paid right away. Uh, and I think that's where it starts. Now, there's a lot of other good ideas out there. Uh, what the what the NCAA is trying to do with the AAU, I think in principle, it's a solid idea. They're trying to get kids away from AAU uh, because that's where a lot of the shadiness in this business. It's not very practical, and I, I don't pretend to have the answers on how to fine-tune that. But I like the idea of trying to limit AAU. The only thing is you can't limit who a kid talks to 24-7. You can't monitor their phones. You can't monitor who's around the family and all that stuff. But they're trying to get the shadiness out of it, and I think that's fine. One wild idea that I have that I know is not overly practical is have the NCAA and, and you know, give, give some back. I don't know who you give it back to. Give it back to the schools. Allow more scholarships. I don't care. Do something with it. Just like the NFL, just like the MLB, just like NHL, Sell the shoe branding to to the highest bidder. Have every college, or you can do it within conferences if you wanted, but there'd still be some shadiness there. But have every school, all 350 D1 college basketball schools, have them be Nike, have them be Adidas, whoever pays the most. Because at that point, you're not going to have shoe runners trying to, hey, you know what, go to an Adidas school. They're going to hook you up. And guess what? When you're done with the Adidas school, then you can sign with Adidas and make a million dollars. Uh, I think if you had just said, listen, you're going to a Nike school, you know, because all of them are Nike schools. Uh, after you're done with Nike, after you're done going to college, Adidas reps and Under Armour reps and, and Puma reps, because now they're back in the game because supposedly it's 1992. <laughs> you're going to get a chance to meet with all these guys and you can sit down with them and you can talk with them. But don't worry about college because you're going to a Nike. Like allow them to allow the shoe companies to bid for it. And then you're talking about some really serious money. And then maybe you could get the money to pay some of these guys. Because here's the thing. Everybody that wants to pay players, are you paying the women's players? Well, you should. 
but they don't make money for the sport. Okay, all right, fair enough. I understand that. Are you paying the football players? Because then you're talking about like 100 kids, you know, if you're including walk-ons and everything. Uh, are you paying all those dudes? Well, I mean, uh, then, then you're just going to follow the normal business model. You're going to be paid what you bring into the company. Sure. Well, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's not not everybody like, I mean, the, the place where I work, not everybody in the building makes the same amount of money. You know, the bosses make more money than what I do, and I make more money yeah. than other people. How do you yeah. determine I, who gets what, though? Well, okay, but like, okay, uh, what, See, like this is—I love this. You only—you're having the debate I have within my head. All the time. <laughs> like, let's let's look at at college football. Okay, look at Alabama. Right. Okay, if you're Tua, you're going to get paid more money than someone who walked on and is like the third string right guard. Right, but who's, you're not going to get any money who's, probably. Who's hey, the, but Mac Jones, the third string quarterback, he works just as hard as Tua. That's the same. Who's the, who, he goes to class every day. He okay, but it's not it's not about it's not about work. work. It's not about working hard. It's about who brings in revenue. Well, oh, so man, that's a PC society, though. You can't yeah. just give more people money because they're they're more gifted. He works just yeah. like you're right. You know, I agree with you. But that's that's that would be the counterpoint is you'd have start you'd have people start complaining and saying, well, why am I not making as much as this dude? Because this I, isn't I fair. because, well, I mean, I guarantee you there's people there's people there's a steel mill not too far from here. Where we're recording. I guarantee you there are people in that steel mill who work a hell of a lot harder than a lot of people on Wall Street do. And they're not even yeah. making a quarter of the amount of money those guys are. Yeah. And then here, but here would be my counterpoint. This is more relevant to college basketball. Hey, guess what, uh, Marvin Bagley? Guess what, DeAndre Aiden? Guess what, Brian Bowen? Nobody made you all sign up for college basketball. If you wanted to go, like college basketball has rules. They have a principle in place. Do we just go into random private businesses and tell them how to operate? So why are we doing that with the NCAA? They have a model that has worked. And is it perfect? No, 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 no. It's far from perfect. Uh, well, it's not far from perfect, but it's not perfect. But they have a model that has been in place for nearly 100 years. Why are we telling them how to operate? Nobody's forcing these kids to play college basketball. Nobody's forcing them to accept stipends of $3,000 a year while passing up six figures going overseas if they want to as 17 that's or 18 what I would do. kids. So that's, that's my – like when people say the NCAA has to make changes, no, they don't. Nobody – runs into your house and says how you've got to do things. Uh, if, if people don't think it's fair, then don't do it. Nobody's making them do it. Um, now, that's a little bit more complicated with football <laughs> because there really isn't another there isn't another platform for those kids. Um, so, again, I don't pretend to have all the answers, but guess what? I'm also not like Jay Billis just sitting there whining about everything. About <laughs> you, some we provide answers or solutions. Yes. Yeah. TJ, I want to talk to you. Basketball aside, your other love – in life is the hit comedy show the office um you talk about it on your weekly podcast hardly committed it's one of my favorite segments of yours i do want to know though as we uh prepare to let you go here what is your all-time uh the office take give it to us what's my office take or office episode hottest take that you have about the office oh like 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 the character like a character that you hate that everybody loves or vice versa well, yeah, this is uh, this this is unfortunately becoming more popular because I've been saying this since the show ended. But Pam Beasley is, <laughs> pardon my French, and I don't use this word like she's just kind of a bitch. Like <laughs> she she was a terrible, terrible fiance to Roy. Roy got such a bad rap, and did Roy maybe have a little bit of a drinking problem? And was he dragging his feet in in the wedding? Yeah, but can you blame him? Can you see how <laughs> big of a joke Pam was? Just basically trying. to I, I don't know what I can or can't say on your on your podcast. Go for but it. Go whatever, man. I fucking Jim every <laughs> chance she can. 
Seriously, <laughs> would you want your old fiance to do that? On the podcast today, we broke, we break down, we go episode by episode, and today we broke down the fight. It's season two, episode six. It's where uh, Dwight and and Michael go to the jo- dojo and, and have a little karate match against one another in front of the entire office. And Jim picks Pam up and basically touches her boob, <laughs> and she's perfectly fine with it until somebody like looks at her. I think it's Meredith like notices that Jim is literally picking up this girl that is engaged to be married and feeling her, her tits. And <laughs> then finally, at th- finally at that point, Pam's like, Oh my God, put me down, put me down. Like, it, it, and there's a long list of things. She kisses him at Chili's when she's drunk. She had no business being engaged to Roy. If she likes Jim, that's all fine and dandy, but there's no business. You needed to shring along Roy that long she should have broke it off and then she does break it off after again once again she kisses another dude jim uh and then she gets back with roy only to uh only to tell him that she cheated on him roy has an outburst as any normal person would should he have broken the stuff uh no he 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 shouldn't have but then she dumps him again i mean what a what a jerk she leaves on toby for the entire you know, eight or nine seasons. Uh, poor Toby, just a complete <laughs> shithead. Doesn't have any, you know, he's already been divorced once. All he likes is Pam, and Pam just kind of, you know, teases him along. So Pam is, uh, she, in my opinion, is kind of the villain. I think Jim would have been a lot happier with Karen Filippelli, uh, who who's actually, better looking. I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think she is better looking as well, and I think she was cooler and nicer and not such a jerk. So uh, Pam is 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 uh, is not a good person. Everybody looks at Pam as one of the great people of the office. She's not. And then most underrated character on the office, I think a lot of people can respect this person, uh, Creed. Yes. Tell me a time oh, that Creed yes. doesn't make you laugh with a joke. Creed is, Creed is absolutely hilarious. More Creed. How you feel about Pam is how I feel about Penny on the Big Bang Theory. I thought she was a good... <laughs> I mean, like, I haven't seen every episode. I've seen, like, maybe... I've seen, like, maybe up to season 10 or whatever. But I'm like, you know, other than a perfect body, this girl's a complete and total bitch. And the only reason why... <laughs> the only reason why anybody's putting up with any of her bullshit is because she's got a great ass. So yeah. I, the way you feel about Pam is the way I feel about Penny on the Big Bang Theory. TJ yeah. Walker, thank you for your time. <laughs> sir we uh we look forward to your thoughts throughout the college basketball season and uh best of luck to your kentucky wildcats except when they're playing the mizzou tigers understandably so this is a lot of fun guys let's do it again thanks, thanks tj, TJ. It's TJ. Right, thank this, you all. You're, you're you're welcome that's tj walker the host of kentucky roll call on big x sports and the hardly committed recruiting podcast you can follow him on twitter at tj walker ksr you've been listening to the last man up podcast Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Last Man Up Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Burger. You can follow Clay at Ton of Clayton. And you can follow Andy Hanselman at Emo6. Speaking of Andy Hanselman, here he is with the top five trending sports topics of the week. Number five, Phil Mushnick still whining about acts of excessive immodesty and hips gyrating me dances. If a celebration happens, you know Mushnick will be there to criticize it. The New York Post resident curmudgeon is back on that beat this week, ranting about NFL celebrations. I loved it. When Tyreek Hill jumped over the barrier and, and operated the TV camera, that I laughed. That was funny. I laughed my ass off. And I heard what Andy Reid said. Andy Reid was not down with it at all. Andy Reid's not down with anything. That's fun. Well, he was just like, look, you know, there's such a thing as crossing the line. And he got that 15-yard penalty. I understand that. Time yeah. and place. Time and like, place. Like, if that was a really tight game and yeah. that 15 yards meant something, then I could understand his anger. Right. That 15 yards didn't mean anything. The Chiefs were rolling. I enjoyed Michael Thomas uh, pulling the cell phone out I of did the goalpost goal after he scored the winning touchdown. I did, too. Right. I loved now, it. Now, that's a great time and place because you just beat – 
you know, allegedly the best team in the NFC. Uh, that, 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 that was the dagger. That yeah, was the dagger was the touchdown. Dagger. And who is it that, uh, I think it's maybe in the Rams, that Jared Goff gets down on one knee and takes a picture with the football? Yeah. With the team gathered around? Yeah. And speaking of giving away the football, Seahawks and Rams, on Veterans Day, on the day that you're honoring veterans, you can find somebody then a uh, convicted woman beater, Floyd Mayweather, to give the football to. Yeah, it wasn't the best luck. Not at all. Number four, Skip Bayless says, Tim Tebow definitely earned a promotion to AAA as, quote, some of the strongest winners and tangibles in the history of professional sports. That's not, I mean, the phrase winners and tangible is probably a gray area, but the guy's a competitor. Oh, absolutely. I mean, okay. he's, he's probably got a competitive a tremendous winning, athlete. winning spirit. Has he ever won? No. On a professional I, I, level, no. No. Okay. Nobody has made more of a success of failure than Timothy Richard Tebow. Yes. I'm, I mean, he seemed like he's a good guy. He's like he's a genuine guy. Yeah. Like, to me, there's nothing more annoying than a fake Christian, and I think he's a real deal. I think he believes in what he, what he preaches. Right. But he's not a professional athlete. No. There's nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of people who are great in college, who failed in the pros, and you have to learn to live with that. You're not a professional baseball player. The only reason why the major, the minor league team has you, the same thing we talked about in the first segment. They got to get people to go to the game somehow. Yeah. Come in here and watch Tim and watch Tim Tebow. And he's not bad as a broadcaster. I don't yeah. know why he doesn't like. He's not terrible. He's not. He's actually pre- you're right. He's, he's pretty he's, good. He's I don't pretty know why good. he just doesn't stick with that. Stephen A. Smith calls the Wizards a disgrace and an abomination. Said it's time for a blow up. There were a few things as funny as ESPN Smith getting truly incensed about something, and boy, did he deliver on that front this week with the first take rant about the Washington Wizards. He's right, and yes. he's actually he called out John Wall too because it looks like John Wall is really just kind of like done with this whole NBA thing and just wants to party. He's the NBA's Aaron Rodgers. He, he never has had formidable talent that has surrounded him. No, I take that back. There was one year where the Wizards they had a great squad. It was him and Bradley Beal. And they had Paul Pierce and Marcin Gortat. They actually had a really good... They weren't going to win the title, right. but it was a solid NBA team. And I think they made it to the second round of the NBA playoffs, and that was it. Yeah. But th- there was a picture of John Wall. They are playing the FIBA games out in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And just just Google John Wall... Google image search John Wall FIBA Vegas 2018. Is that the one where he was looking just rough as hell? Rough as hell. Yeah, and hair I think, grown out and everything. And I think that's continued. So I think Stephen A. Smith is right about the Wizards. There's a gentleman by the name of at That's Cappy, and he writes for a uh, Toronto Maple Leafs blog called Leafs Nation, which is kind of, I guess they're late to be fizz. Sounds like it. To be yeah. fizz. Love it. To be fizz. Uh, he says Wayne Gretzky was not good at hockey. Christ. And nobody was good at hockey until probably the year 2000. Oh, stop it. <laughs> let's not. Let's just go to the next one because that one's not even worth discussion. <laughs> sounds like a, that sounds like a hot take from Skip Bayless or Stephen A. Smith. Right. All right, here it is. Uh, the big one, courtesy of our friend Bill James. Uh, Bill James calls all players replaceable, generates huge backlash. James, currently a senior advisor for the Boston Red Sox, laid a lot of the groundwork for advanced statistical analysis of sports, and he, des- and he deserves praise for that. Recently, though, he's been dropping quite a few bad takes on Twitter, such as running a poll on the likelihood then Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh's accuser is telling the truth. And he really made waves with one this week in a discussion with Chris Towers of CBS. James tweeted, if all if the players all retired tomorrow, we would replace them. The game would go on. In three years, it would make no difference whatsoever. The players are not the game any more than the beer vendors are. He is actually not wrong. He's not He's wrong. He's not wrong at all. He's not wrong. If you think like about you it. Like you say, baseball is a 
Is that, it's, is, it's, it's an individual sport, sport masquerading as a team, team sport, sport. The, and the, and that's the biggest one. But even look at the NFL play. Like you look at look at football, look at basketball. Yep. I mean, think about how many people are how many players are generational. What's the last generational talent? Generational talent the Cardinals had. That was Albert Pujols. That was it, and they're right. still trying to replace him. It's been it's been eight years, it's been seven yep. years going on. And eight before years. that was a stay mutual. Probably. Yep. Yeah, that would call generational. Was, generational yeah, because I wouldn't call Ozzy Smith generational. I would either. Talent. Maybe Bob Gibson. You would maybe call Bob Gibson generational. But maybe. Uh, I, I no, I wouldn't call Ozzy generational. No. No. Uh-uh. What's even more funny is that the uh, the Red Sox tried to distance himself from James by saying Bill James is a consultant to the Red Sox. He is not an employee, nor does he speak for the club. And, of course, they say, yeah, sure. And you go look at the Red Sox website, and he his title is Bill James, Senior Advisor, Baseball <laughs> Operations. Well, I mean, I understand why they did that. You don't want you don't want someone like right. that tr- basically somebody trashing named, the players. Somebody named at but, Bill TPA <laughs> tweeted, he's literally one of 25 people identified as executives of our very large company with links and bios, but he's not an employee and can't speak for us. I mean, <laughs> but he's right. You're cheering for laundry. Yeah. You're, you're cheering for the uniform. Sure you are. Yeah. yeah, you're cheering for the uniform. Absolutely. Unless you're the B-Fib, then you're always going to love the guy no matter what. Right. And I can't wait for Greg Garcia to get the 22nd standing ovation he's going to get when the Padres make their first trip to Bush Stadium 2019. Bill you J- know what's going to happen. I love it. Bill James tweeted back, I do my best not to offend people. Can't say that I have much talent for it. So good for him. <laughs> At least he's got a sense of self-deprecation about him. And that's it for the uh, top five hot takes of sports, courtesy of our friends over at Awful Announcing. Thank you very much, Andy Hanselman. Special thanks to uh, TJ Walker from the Kentucky Roll Call on Big X Sports Radio and the Hardly Committed Recruiting Podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at TJ Walker KSR. This is going to be our last show before Thanksgiving. Mm. Everybody have a very happy and very safe Thanksgiving, and we will catch you on the other side.